Have you ever made up your mind, this year is different. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. How long did it last? In the last month, I have lost 50 pounds. I lost 10 pounds five times. <laughs> and if you lost a few, I found those. We went down there to Trinidad, buddy, and it's a good thing we left when we did. We'd have to have two planes to bring us back. <laughs> they know how to eat. They really, really do. Now, have you ever had this happen to you? I just couldn't sleep at night. I tossed and turned all night. Anybody ever toss and turn all night? There's people who, I've made up my mind. Well, I changed my mind. I've made up my mind. Well, I changed my mind. Have you ever had people that say things and you don't know whether to believe them or not? They're quickly to give their word, but you don't know if you, they're going to keep their word. Well, this is a, a man who's like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. And so he says in verse 7, Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, there's a few things that I wanted to mention to you about that. Now, you've heard of uh, horse sense? You say, what is horse sense? Stable thinking. Some people are not stable in their thinking. They're unstable. So a person who never learned how to trust the Lord in all areas of his life is unstable. And sometimes you ever try to climb a ladder that's unstable? It's not exactly level. It's kind of leaning a little bit. And so you try to justify that. And before you get up there and it goes that way, there you go. Some things are not stable. And some Christians are not stable. They're not solid. They're not strong. And they're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And this is why you have to be very, very careful. Now, as you go through here, I want you to know that if you don't handle life right, because God has designed your life with all kinds of ingredients, because he knows what he's trying to make out of you. Now, I mentioned this to you before. I walked into our home. There sat my daughter, Trina, on the floor with an upside-down cake on the floor. And she's sitting there just a-crying. I says, what's wrong? She had no intentions of that cake being an upside-down cake. But that cake was upside-down. And she was just a She was surprising her daddy. And I says, honey... It's just a cake. I said, you are more important than that cake. And I appreciate what you've done and so forth. I says, but sometimes things don't always work out the way we'd like to. Sometimes when you make a cake, you don't put all the right ingredients in it. I says, how would you like it if somebody gave you a mouthful of baking soda? Or what if they just gave you a mouthful of lard? Mouthful of flour, mouthful of salt. But you know you can take the right amount of each ingredient and put them all together and make a wonderful cake. Did you know that God knows what he's trying to make out of your life and he's the one 
who is bringing into your life different ingredients because they will work on you, and they do work on you. And there's pressures. But God is shaping and molding you and putting into your life and trying to get out other things out of your life because he knows what he's trying to perfect. And that's why he says if you're lacking anything, he wants to put it in. And maybe there's some things in your life that he wants to take out. So learn how to trust the Lord. You say, well, it won't make a difference. Yes, it will. You see, if you don't handle it right and do what James is talking about here and count it all joy, and you won't do it. And when you find out you need help and you don't ask God and you become unstable in all your ways, he puts it down a little bit like this. You will be immature in all your ways. Have you ever seen adults that are immature? Immature adults. Now, physically age, I mean, they can be 40, 50, 60 years of age, and they're immature. Still acting like a little brat. You ever seen anybody like that? I'm so glad we don't have anybody like that here. You will be incomplete in all of your ways. Because, you see, God has something He wants you to do, and He doesn't want you putting limitations on Him. But when you don't know how to do something, you're limited. And when you're limited in knowledge, you're limited in ministry. So you're not able to accomplish all that God wants to accomplish in your life. So you're limiting yourself. So you're not as complete. God is teaching you things by the people He allows to come into your life. Even husband and wife. Even children, where you work, people at church. God uses everything in your life to make you complete, stronger. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it on your own. God brings people, and their negative attitude is to teach you sometimes some discernment and how to be patient. God has a school, and He's sending you to school. And if you don't pass the test, you have to take it over. And don't you want to pass the test? So if you don't pass the test, some people just get in a vicious cycle. They never get out of it. What grade are you in? Kindergarten. How long have you been there? Ten years. You know, I was in the 10th grade. You know why I never went to the 11th grade? My dad was still there. No, I'm just Spent the happiest three years of my life in the 10th grade. <laughs> Uh, not really. You will be immature, and you will be incomplete, and you will be unstable. You'll be like the wind that tosses you to and fro. You'll be like a, a wave on the sea that's up here and down and so forth. And it was interesting. We went down there to the beach, and we're out there in the water, and you're, the, you're standing in water that's down to your knees. And I turned around and looked at the people on the beach, and in the meantime, a wave was coming behind me. About four or five feet seemed like over my head. And it kind of slapped me up against my back, threw me down into the water, and I thought I was never going to come up. I was unprepared. And then I noticed that uh, Sam, who was with us, uh, he just turned and faced the wave. And we got right close to him. He just ducked down. And the wave never bothered him. Me, it was turning me upside down and throwing me you know, all over the beach. And I, but fun, oh, did I have fun. 
But you know, at my age, I can only have about five minutes of fun. So anyway, but you don't want to be an unstable person. You've got to learn that. You'll have unanswered prayer because you won't be asking God for anything, so you're not going to get the wisdom that you need. You will have human wisdom. Hold your place right here in James and look there in verse 14 of chapter 3. Excuse me, verse 13. Look in verse 13. He says in verse 13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good behavior his works with meekness and wisdom. Meekness of wisdom. In other words, if you're really smart, and most men like to consider themselves a little smart, a little macho, that's why we never ask the directions on how to get somewhere. We'd rather run around in circles for the next two or three days. After all, I'll figure this out sooner or later. But there's wisdom that comes from God. And there's wisdom of man. So there is a human wisdom and there is divine wisdom. And if you think there's no difference, you're mistaken. There is a difference. It does matter. Because you can guide your life by human wisdom and that would make you no smarter than the smartest lost man. Because all you're using is the wisdom of man. Or you can study the wisdom of God and make decisions based upon God's wisdom. Now, the wisdom of God is better than the wisdom of man. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make it. Yes, it does. And your lack of wisdom will tell you it doesn't matter. Now look what he says in verse 15. He says, This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish, because it's all about yourself. Making decisions that you think are right, but they're not right. There is a way that seemeth right, but the end thereof are the ways of destruction, because it leads you in the wrong direction. That's why we need the Word of God. Need to know the Word of God. So then he says here in verse 17, but the wisdom, see there is a difference. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, good fruit, good results. You'll get so much more from the wisdom of God than you will the wisdom of man. So the only way you're going to get God's wisdom is for God to let you see you don't have all the answers. You can't produce all the peace and the joy and the happiness on your own. You can't manufacture it. It leaves you empty. It doesn't satisfy. Maybe just get you in one jam after the other. But the wisdom of God is different. And if it's different, then it's not the same. It does matter. And God can do so much more with you. And he wants to help you. So you will be unstable in all these things. Fail the test and you'll have to take it again. Now, this one statement. Decisions set in motion a chain reaction. When you make a decision, it sets in motion a chain reaction. Because that decision you make affects another one, that affects another one, that affects another one. And what if you're going in the wrong direction? So was that decision important? Learned? Slow down. 
Now, look what he says in James in chapter 1. And notice this verse. It's a very, very good verse. Where he talks about here in verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. That's why he gave you two ears. Slow to speak. That's why he only gave you one tongue. I hope you got that. Listen twice as much as you speak. Most people speak in order to hear what they think. And it leads you in the wrong direction. So God in His Word has a lot of things that He wants for us. And it will make a difference. Now, I want you to take your Bible and just turn with me over there to the book of 1 John in chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. To know that there is a great difference in knowing what God's Word says, even about Him coming again. Chapter 3, look in verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Wherefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now, now, are we the sons of God? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now, the Bible tells us to be looking for the Lord to come again. So you see there in verse 28 of chapter 2, where it says, My little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, when you have this hope that any day, any moment, the Lord could come back, it helps you to purify your life. So when you see a Christian not living right, he's not anticipating the Lord's return, especially at that moment. Because that view of Scripture that he shall appear is a purifying hope. If you believe that Christ could come back at any moment, any moment, why would you want to do some things that would cause you to be ashamed before Him at His coming? If you're just going to let yourself go and do something wicked, and I say, the Lord's going to be here in 30 seconds. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But if you did believe that, then I don't want to be ashamed before Him at His coming. I'm not going to do that. Whatever that is. And a lot of Christians say, well, it doesn't really matter. Everything matters. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn over there to the book of uh, Titus, chapter 2. The book of Titus, chapter 2. In the book of Titus, this is on page 1284 in a Bible that's loaned to you. Titus, chapter 2. And look there in verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, it's almost the same as saying, Christ hath appeared to all men. 
That's why we give the gospel so that people can hear it, and by hearing it, they can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ died to bring salvation to everybody because he died for everybody. Then he says that this grace teaches us. Look in verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live. Now, you don't have to live this way, but you should. You don't have to grow in the Lord, but you should. You don't have to go to the Lord and ask Him for help when you have a problem that you can't solve, but you should. You should. You should count it all joy when you fall into different testings. You should. Because it's an opportunity to go to the Lord and learn something you didn't know. You see, it's a humble man that admits, I don't know everything, and I'm going to walk through life dependent upon the Lord to help and guide me. See, the proud man, I don't need church, I don't need the Bible, I can do it on my own, I'll do whatever I want to do, and leave me alone. That's a prideful man, and God hates pride. And there's a price to pay. And they're going to pay it. So, what you should do is what God's Word says. But you've got a choice. You have human wisdom and you've got divine wisdom and you can decide. But now notice what he says here. In verse 12, teaching us. So God is teaching us. That's what the book of Romans is about. Or James is about. Teaching us why we should. And if we don't, there's a price to pay in immaturity, immorality, and in incomplete and unstable. If that's what you want for your life, that's what you'll have. And you can't escape it. You can't get out of it except to accept the wisdom of God. Now notice what he says. He says this, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So you've got to be taught how to do that. It does not come automatically. You have to be taught. Now look what he says in verse 13. This is why the second coming of Christ is a purifying hope, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And because Christ is coming again, and we're looking for Him to come again, at any moment He could come. He says here in verse 14, Who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. This is what God wants. And then... He makes this statement. Look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. When we have the Lord's Supper, He also threw something in here that I want you to see. And look in verse 26. Verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death to what? Till he comes. It has to do with him coming again. See, we remember, because it's a remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. But remember, not only what he did, but what he said. I'm coming back. 
I'm coming back. And if you live with this hope, not only did he come and die the first time and come back from the dead, he's coming back. He's coming again. Should it matter? Does it make a difference? Well, God says this is a purifying hope, and this is why we should have the Lord's Supper, because it keeps it in our minds. You know, the Lord could come back today. He'd come back today. And I don't want to be ashamed before Him at His coming. If the Lord came back today, are there things in your life that you know have not been taken care of as a child of God? Anything you need to confess to Him? Not to everybody else, just to Him. That'll be sufficient. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's to His children. That's between you personally and God. It's not between you and everybody else. It's between you and God. And God tells us to examine ourselves. How are you doing in your walk with the Lord? Are you limiting God using you because of your lack of knowledge or lack of skill? But are you preparing yourself to be used by God in a greater way? Always keep learning. Always keep learning. Always have that desire, burning desire. This is the, one of the things that Peter and I were really amazed. Is it their eagerness to study the Word of God? Every day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three hours every day studying the Word of God. Yes, you can't help but be impressed by the hunger that some people have for the Word of God. And then there's sometimes people that don't have any desire at all. I have not been able to live my life like that because after Betty's dad led me to the Lord, I wanted, I wanted to serve him. I was so hungry, and I just kind of get some more. And every time the doors of the church were open, man, I'd be there. If it was on Sunday night, I'd be there. Wednesday night, man, I'm there. And I wasn't a preacher. I was working a full-time job. And I'd come into work on a Wednesday night from after work. And I had on clod hoppers. I had ink all over me because of a certain job I was doing at the time. Then I had on the, a uniform. And man, I, was, I, was, I looked pathetic. But I was there. I was there. I'd rather be there dirt than not be there at all. And I would sacrifice. And I had to get up every morning at 3.30 in the morning. Every morning. 3.30 in the morning. Seven days a week. But I'd be in every service that I could make. It didn't matter. When I went to Florida Bible College, I averaged two and a half hours of sleep a night for two years. But when I could make it, man, I'd make it. I took my wife and my two kids, and we walked over a mile to church every service because I didn't have a car I could afford to fix. So we'd walk. And walking down in Miami with the sun beating on and sweating, in time we got there, we needed another bath. That's when they came out with this wash and wear clothes. How bad do you want something? You'll get as much as you want. You'll grow if you really want to grow. You'll be mature if you want to be. But if you want to be immature, unstable, do whatever you want. But ask, how strong would other Christians be if they followed my example? What kind of a ministry would we have if everybody followed my involvement? Be like me. Doesn't the Bible say... Be thou an example of the believer. Be thou an example. Be an example.
pay a price. Sacrifice if you need to. It's between you and the Lord. It's not between you and I. I'm not going to reward you one iota. And you may do a lot of things around here and I won't even thank you for it or praise you for it because I either won't see it and I'm blind and I have sometimes I don't care attitude you're supposed to. But you're doing it for the Lord. And you know God's going to reward you, right? So you'd never get mad at me if I didn't say something because you didn't do it for me anyway, did you? Got out of that, didn't I? This is you and me. This is sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. He hates our sin, but He loves us. For us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God. But He loves us. He wants us to go to heaven. And go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous, as perfect as God, and none of us are. So we all sinned, and we have a payment to make. We can't save ourselves. This church can't save you. I can't save you. You can't save yourself. You need a Savior. I only know one. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Came into the world because He loves us, hates our sin, so He took it, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said, if you'll believe He did it for you, He'd give you eternal life as a free gift, and you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you trust Him? I pray that you will. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Would you right now, would you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you never have. You may have heard about it, but just never did. And if you'll trust Christ right now as your Savior, He said He would save you and give you eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. So I'm going to ask you if you'll just slip your hand up very quickly. And by that means, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior and preach. I'd like you to pray for me. And one at all. And one at all. You that have trusted Christ as your Savior, does it really matter? Your involvement, your love, your dedication. Do you want to be unstable, immature, always floundering? Do you want God to use you? I pray so. But remember the Lord come back today. But then He may come back tomorrow. But whenever He's coming, you live as though He could come at any time. And you don't want to be ashamed before the Lord is coming. Therefore, it does make a difference what you do. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper, understanding that the, the body of Christ, the bread, He bore in His body our sins. And the cup, He shed His blood to pay for our sins by giving His life. He did that for you. And it says, will you remember that I'm coming back again? I'm coming again. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the privilege, not only to know your Savior, but to serve you. Bless each one here, and help us, Father, to examine our own selves, to judge those things in our life that need to be taken care of. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.